0: Very good. I don't think I've ever gotten applause for just coming on stage, so thank you all for that, and I appreciate it. Good morning. My name is Corey, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm, I oversee Next Generations, and also uh, one of the teaching pastors. So good to have you guys here on this Memorial Day weekend, making it a priority to come. I noticed a lot of you guys have brought some family and some friends, and so so welcome. Welcome to Trace Church, uh, and we're so glad that you're here. Today, we're actually concluding a, a series that we've been in. It's, it's called the Re-Series, and what we've been doing is we've been uh, looking back at some, some words, and we've been examining some Topics that that all start with this kind of reconcept, and so if you if you've not been with us, if you've missed some of those weeks, I just want to remind you uh, that you can actually go online to tracechurch.com and, and catch any of those messages. But we've been looking at some some things and examining things like rethink and and uh, and reflect. And Aaron opened up this series by by talking about the ways in which sometimes as as a church we've just gotten things wrong, and so we, we've had an opportunity to kind of rethink and reflect on on how how does God want this church to look like? How does He want us to to respond And then, then over Easter, uh, we, we took a look at reclaim and, and renew. And, and we, we talked about the fact that no, no matter how far that you feel like you've kind of washed away from God, uh, how waterlogged you think that your faith is, that, like he's not finished with you. He, he has a desire and the ability to reclaim you and to make you new. And then we, we looked at how refreshing it is actually to refresh others and to serve them and, and to rebuild your life on the foundation of the words that, that Jesus offers to us and the importance of reengaging in relationships, no matter uh, how difficult that they happen to be sometimes, and, and, and reinvesting yourself in the things that really matter. So that's kind of been our re-series, but today we, we cap off the, the series with, with remember. Uh, and and I can't help but think of remember, I, I think of forgetting. And when I think of forgetting, I, I think of, of this. Take a look at this video clip real quick. No, it's not. I know it's not. I'm, I'm so sorry. See, I, I suffer from short-term memory loss. Short-term memory loss. I don't believe this. No, it's true. I forget things almost instantly. It runs in my family. Well, I mean, at least I think it does. Um, hmm. They? Can I help you? All right, so maybe maybe we're not all as bad as Dory, but we, we have our moments, don't we? we? We we've all been there before. Matter of fact, I I always used to make fun of my grandma uh, because she would go through the whole Rolodex of uh, the grandkids names before she'd ever get to the right one. Uh, but I find myself at age 35, only three kids doing the very same thing. Uh, and and I, I, I chalk it up to the fact that I've, we've used alliteration with my kids. So all of them are K names. It makes it a little bit more difficult. But but I tell you, it, it's so frustrating, especially when I'm really upset and I'm trying to get a point across and I can't get the name of my kid that I'm trying to get it across to. And they're like smiling at me and laughing at me. I'm like, no, stop doing that. I'm trying to discipline you right now now honest confession have you ever used your pet's name for your kid's name before you got to it anybody I've totally done that all right well we've we've all been there right have have you ever spent time making out a, a detailed list for the grocery store and then forgot to bring the list with you when you went to the store two weeks ago right here okay have you have you ever asked somebody their name and immediately forgot it like right in that moment it's, it's stupid, but it happens all the time, right? Have you ever started watching a movie and you get about halfway through and all of a sudden you're like, I have no clue how this thing ends. Right, you get to it. I mean, I guess there's gonna be some benefits to that. Like, you, you get to a joke and you're like, "Oh, I know this joke," and like, "No, actually, I don't know this joke." And it's actually funny the second time you've heard it again. Now, I talk, I talk this whole thing, uh, uh, the whole movie thing. Like, getting halfway through a movie and not knowing how it ends up to my dad. I, some daddy issues I've got. So he had a real strict bedtime for us boys growing up. We get to nine o'clock, we watching like a, a a TV movie, and uh, and all of a sudden he'd be like, "All right, boys, time to go to bed." And i were like, oh, Dad, we start whining and complaining. And his famous line was always, we'll rent it sometime. I got news for you. We never rented a single one of those movies. <laughs> anyway, so I, I get halfway through the movie, and I'm like, I don't even know how this thing ends. Have you ever considered changing all of your passwords to incorrect? That way, whenever you log in the first time, your computer will actually tell you your password is incorrect. <laughs> I, I thought that that was pretty good. Guys, I don't have a bad memory. I just forget to remember sometimes. Okay, The fact remains that we, we all find ourselves in this place from time to time. We all need to be reminded, especially of the most important things. Now, now this is true in general life. Uh, but it's also true in our, our learning and in leadership. And there's, this, uh, there's a leadership guru. His name is uh, Patrick Lynchioni, And uh, he's an author and, uh, and a leadership consultant. And I learned a lot from him. But he, he has this to say uh, about uh, the concept of remembering. He says, I've recently come to the conclusion that I should stop reading so many new books and magazine articles. Instead, I should go and retrieve the top ten books and articles that I've already read and start rereading them again and again. After all, I've forgotten most all of what I've learned in those books, and I'm certainly not using or tapping into more than a fraction of what they have to offer. Instead, I'm pursuing more and more new materials which only crowd out the space in my brain to recall and put to use the tried true goodness which I've already learned. Why do we do this? Well, perhaps it's because we want to stay current or we don't want to feel out of touch, but I think it's based more in the pride of knowing things than in real pursuit of excellence integrity, and discipline. I love this next part. Remember, he's an author. He says, don't think uh, that the irony of all this is lost on me, an author who writes a new book every few years and wants people to buy and read them. But I cannot deny that one of my favorite quotes comes from the author Samuel Johnson, who said this, people need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. People need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. And I suppose, and he finishes up, that what he really means was that what we already, we already have plenty of information. We just need to use it. And Now, out of, out of this quote comes our one thing for today. Now, if you're new to Trace, uh, we hope that every time you gather together with us and, and you sit and you hear some songs and you hear a message, that you'll walk away from here with something. God has shared something with you, some insight, some, some concept that you will walk away with. But if for some reason uh, we, we've clouded this and we make it murky for you, we want to give you at least one thing to walk away with. And today, here's the one thing. Remembering requires a response. Remembering requires a response. In other words, if I remember your birthday but don't do anything about it, it's like I forgot it, Right? If I remember a task but, but fail to, to do anything about it, I, it still remains incomplete. If I remember a kind word that was spoken but I don't allow it to actually affect my demeanor, it's as if it was never spoken in the first place. Now, this is a safe place, right? Like, you all aren't going to judge me too harshly. Can I share something with you that makes me look really bad? All right, so in our church, I didn't get a whole lot of yeses on that. can you just say, Okay. <laughs> All right, So in, in our church, uh, just recently, um, uh, there's a family that had a baby. And there was a meal plan set up for the, for the family. And I love this family. They're awesome. And so I, I went on and I signed our family up to bring a meal to this family last night. Now, I, I've got a bunch of excuses, um, but, but the, the fact remains that last night, when I was supposed to bring this family that is dealing with a young baby waiting on their food, <clears throat> I forgot to bring them their food last night. And my wife reminds me about 8 o'clock at night. She's like, hey, did you ever bring that meal to this family? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I can't believe I forgot to do that. And I felt so bad. But it wasn't because I had bad intentions. It wasn't like I was trying to make them think that I was going to bring them a meal and, and intentionally stiff them. No, I had the best of intentions. I simply forgot. Now, here's the deal about forgetting. Forgetting always negates action. It always negates action. But remembering provides an opportunity for action. Now, I I would go even a step further. I I believe that remembering requires action, requires a response to truly be memory, because simply recalling something is not enough. Remembering should move us to some kind of action. Now, I, I believe that remembering something is less about forgetting and more about placing an importance on that thing so that we can keep it on the forefront of our mind. When you stop to think about it, that's really what holiday's are all about. That's why we mark holidays on the calendar, right? So that we can put them at the forefront and we can remember, we can recall the things that they represent, right? It's a way for us to make sure that we place the due importance on an event. It's not necessarily to keep us from forgetting although it does that, it's so that we place value on remembering that very thing. Well, tomorrow is a very special holiday. It marks such a day and it's it's something that's much more than just just camping out and and, and cooking out, right? Memorial Day is a way of reminding us of all the sacrifices on our behalf so that we can have the luxury of things like camping and cooking out in a free country. Matter of fact, the very reason that we can gather here today and and have this assembly and, and, and not be persecuted for doing what we're doing is because of the sacrifices that have preceded us today. And those sacrifices are what allow us to gather here. Those who have gone before us deserve to be commemorated, to be celebrated, to be honored, and to be acknowledged. And so to those who have demonstrated their selfless sacrifices and their families who them, themselves have been affected by this, we don't just remember you today, we applaud you today. And so will you with me just give a special celebration to those families that are here that represent those that have gone before us and sacrificed their life? Will you all celebrate them with me? Very least, at the very least, they deserve our applause. But maybe, maybe remembering that this week, and maybe it takes you a step further. Maybe there's another response. Maybe there's a person or a family that you can personally appreciate. Now, I, I wouldn't consider myself a, a, a history buff, but I, I enjoy history. And, and specifically, I, 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 like, uh, I like wars, and I like, I like battles. And when, when you stop to think about it, every battle has some kind of rally cry. And that rally cry is based in some kind of memory. There was something that was told, something that was said, something that was envisioned. And that thing becomes the thing in the back of people's mind that they rally behind in order to continue that battle. And if you will, I'd like you to take you to one of the the most famous battles in our history where victory was all about remembering. Take a look at this. I don't know about you, but something about country music behind an act of courage that makes you want to go out and defend something, right? <laughs> this, is, this is an incredible battle. This is an incredible story. a matter of fact, I, you see this picture. When you see this picture, what comes to your mind? What... what what, what responses does it elicit for you? Now, those of you that have seen this, you, you might recall, like, that's, that's the Alamo. Like, I, I've seen that before. You may even be able to recall some historical facts about that, when, when it actually happened and how many lives were lost and how many, uh, you know, people were, were uh, Texans were there in the fort uh, versus how many of the Mexican army were out there. It might give you some stats and some numbers and some things to recall. But for a, a good number of of Texan soldiers, uh, this became so much more than just historical fact. You see, the Spanish mission that was the Alamo became a military outpost that was ultimately immortalized as a symbol of courage. It was an act of bravery from men like like Travis and Bowie and Crockett that that the Texan army recalled and they remembered as they were outnumbered just six weeks after this event happened uh, against the same Mexican army led by Santa Ana. And they rallied around the saying, remember the Alamo during the most crucial parts of the battle. Now, when I say they rallied around that, I don't think that their conversation was, you know, with one of their buddies, like, hey, you remember the Alamo? I don't think that that's how it was. I think it was more like a William Wallace as they're, they're, you know, forging into the battle, as they're pursuing it, and they're like, remember the Alamo? And they're rallying behind this cry, and it gave them inspiration and motivation to go out and do what they knew was right and what they needed to do. For them, the sacrifice at the Alamo it was not merely something to revere or to recall. It was an event to rally behind. And they let their memory of this motivate them, and it resulted in a monumental victory. Remember the Alamo. You see, for, for them, for these guys, remembering what had happened just six weeks earlier, elicited a response. It required a response for them. And that is our one thing today. Now, I want to give you another picture, and I want you to take a look at this picture. I'm going to leave it up here for a minute. When you see this picture, what comes to mind for you? Now, for, for some of you, you immediately go to, to what we would call this, the name that's given to it. And most oftentimes in Scripture, it's, it's referred to as the, as the Lord's Supper, uh, the taking of the bread and, and, and the dipping it into the cup and, and administrating that, right? Now, uh, in the Lord's Supper, it's, it's, this is a reference to the Last Supper, The last supper where Jesus gathers his disciples together and they meet in an upper room and it's during the Passover feast. And so these elements, this bread and this this wine, already had historical significance. It already represented something for those people. It represented the deliverance of the Hebrew people from Egyptian slavery. But on this night, Jesus takes those same elements and he gives them new meaning. He he, he takes it, and he he helps them understand that this is provision. This is deliverance, but it's not from the Egyptian army. It's from the sin of your life, and I'm getting ready to accomplish it. He gives them this imagery to be able to take and to use. Now, you might have heard it by other names as well. If you come from a more liturgical background, you may may understand this as the Eucharist. and All that means is thanksgiving. It's really uh, more about the way in which we should approach it. We'll talk about the approach here in a minute. But there are lots of other names for this as well. Uh, Breaking of the bread, holy sacrifice, sacred mystery, divine liturgy, bread of angels, the bread from heaven. I like this one. Medicine of immortality. Uh, That's one of my favorites. The mass. But most oftentimes, and the way that we probably refer to it here at Trace the most is we use the word communion to describe this very thing. Now, I don't know about you, but I've asked the question of myself, why do we use the word communion to define this sacrament? Well, if you go back to the original text, what you see is the word that's used here is the word koinonia. And that literally means fellowship or communion. In the Latin, it has this context of sharing in common or being united with. And the Christian faith literally believes that the receiving of the work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection on the Christ, it, it makes us one with Jesus. It unites us with God and with each other at this moment. And, and so that is the, the meaning behind communion. But when, when you see this, maybe, maybe the name of what this uh, sacrament is, that doesn't come to you. Maybe maybe it's your experience with this. Maybe you have seen this done in churches or experienced this in different ways. And, and sometimes it has to do with the administration of it. So maybe you've been in, in church settings where uh, only the, the clergy or the, the pastor or the priest is actually able to administer uh, this particular thing to you. They bless it and they offer it to you. Or maybe you've, you've been in a service where everybody uh, grabs the elements at once and, and you all take it at the same time. Or maybe you, you've done it kind of like what we do here most often and, and you come up and you take it as you, uh, as you, as you come individually. Or maybe, maybe you've been in situations where the frequency has been disputed. Do we do, we do this every week, or, or do we do it once a quarter, do we want, do it once a year, or do we do it every time that we gather in the home of a, a fellow believer? Frequency is one of those things that we see. Sometimes the very symbols, the very elements themselves um, are disputed. What do, we, what do we use for the elements? Do we use, do we use grape juice, or do we use wine in the, the distinguishings that we have? Matt, how, how many of you guys would be wine people? If you, you had your preference, we do wine in church every week. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I know who to pray for this week. All right, that's good to know. Okay, All right, but, but people, like, like churches get divided over this. Like People decide not to come back to churches over the types of elements that we use. Specifically, sometimes people argue about whether or not you use one loaf of bread, and, and do you break that in different pieces and give it to people, or is it okay to use uh, crackers that are individually packaged? You know, it, it, how, how does that work? Yeah, do, do we use leavened bread or unleavened bread, like what they used at the Passover? Now, uh, all of these things are are. Important and and to some extent should be uh, conversed upon. And we certainly have thought through this in in our our own conversations and leadership. Uh, But but I think we miss out on the point when we look at this picture, when we start thinking about the the name behind it or or the the, the administration of the elements. You see, I I think there's a a deeper question, a more important question, which is what does this mean in the first place? Why do we even do this? The Apostle Paul, a follower of Jesus Christ, explains this uh, to a church in Corinth, and this is this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine, and after supper he said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Now, if you look closely at this instruction that, that Paul gives to the church of Corinth, you can see some of those more practical details listed in there and, the, and the how you should go about this. But, but don't miss out on the most important thing that he says here in verse 26. For every time that you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So, so let me walk you through this a little bit. I, I think there are a few things that we need to do every time that we come together. And, and we take communion, and we sit at the Lord's table, however you want to communicate this, I think there are some things that, that need to happen every time. First of all, we need to revere the sacrifice. You see, the God of all creation sent His one and only Son to die on a cross for our sins. Now, we say that, and it becomes a familiar thing to us, but stop and think about that for a moment. Somebody gave up their life for us. And in the same way, or in a, at least a similar way, if somebody was to do that, our military giving up their, we see that and we understand that we, we, we honor that sacrifice as we do this weekend. And, and so when we come to the table, like we need to approach this solemnly, almost as, as a memorial, as we're sitting at a funeral service where we say, Thank you for your sacrifice. And it's, it's entirely appropriate to sit and, and to be silent and to reflect. On those things, We should revere the sacrifice, but I, I don't think it should just stop there. I think we also need to recall the work. You see, the work didn't finish on the cross. Jesus not only died, but he also had the power to raise his life back up again from death, conquering death and giving us a hope for new life. Giving us the ability to, to not only have life to the full now, but also have the hope for eternal life. Guys, that is not something that should be approached with, 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 uh, in, in a solemn way. That is something that should be approached with thanksgiving and with celebration. And so while it is completely appropriate whenever you guys come down here and, and you spend time and you're silent and you're quiet and you're reflective, it is also completely appropriate to come down and to grab communion and shout, Hallelujah! Amen! Thank you, God, for what you have done. Hoorah! Ooh, yeah! All right? I mean, it is a celebration, guys. And so sometimes we need, to, we need to sing upbeat songs and we need to celebrate what God has done for us. We need to revere the sacrifice. We, we need to recall the work, but guys, don't catch, don't miss this. Catch this, okay? We also need to rally behind the cross. You see, what we do here on Sundays is not something that's meant just for Sundays. When, when we come and we take communion, it is something to be reminded of every day of every week and every situation that we're in. It is a way in which we can rally behind. What God has done for us on the cross has, has given us a hope in a future to be able to conquer whatever we're facing in the midst of those things. And one of the reasons that we make it a point to make communion a central focus of every gathering that we have here every week is to place an importance on that work so we don't forget it throughout the week. You see, this is one of those things that we need to simply be reminded of. Not necessarily instructed in. That's why we do it every week. Because if we start to neglect the cross, then we forget what Jesus has done. And life starts to become about self. And and when we forget the sacrifice that Jesus offered, then we we naturally recoil to our own comforts. When we forget the work of the cross, we actually stay chained to the bondage of our sin and our struggles. But when we remember the cross, not, not like hey, you remember what happened on the cross? But like, remember the Alamo, remember the cross. When we shout this thing out, guys, we see that there is more to life than me. And when we see that, it helps people see people the way that God sees people. And when we remember the cross, we are, we are more than conquerors. And that means that we have the ability to overcome whatever we're facing right now. Whatever issue, whatever struggle, uh, whatever illness you're facing, this gives us hope to be able to face that thing right now. And when we remember the cross, we are compelled to share the same good news that we've heard with others because found people find people. And when we remember the cross, we gain courage in adversity because we note the example of one who's gone before us, who who saw death. He stared it down in its face and, and faced it and overcame it. You see, the cross was never meant to be something that we simply talk about on Sunday, but a rally cry that we carry with us every day and everywhere we go as we seek to leave traces of God's love. Remembering the Alamo was a cry that helped the Texan army find victory on the battlefield. But remembering the cross gives us a rally cry for every day to urge us to victory in this life and in the next. And so I'm going to leave you with the words of Peter uh, that he recorded in 2 Peter. He says, therefore, I will always remind you about these things. I will always remind you about these things. Now, even though you already know them, you may know them, you may not have. This might be the first time you heard it. but, but even if you already know them and, and understanding firm in the truth that you've been taught, it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. You see, we... We put these elements out on the tables. We celebrate and we reflect on what Jesus has done every week so that we ourselves can be motivated to respond to that. So what's your response today? I'm going to pray. Aaron's going to come up and lead you in that response time. Father, thank you for an opportunity to uh, sit here on this Memorial Day weekend and have a conversation, uh, not only about the the sacrifices of our fellow brothers and sisters. Father, not to, not to only be able to, to talk about the, the elements that make up this, this thing we call communion, but to, to understand and completely respond to the work that you did on the cross for us. Lord, I pray that it's not something that just becomes a spiritual act, some sacrament, some thing that, that we do on Sundays, but Father, that it becomes our rally cry. It becomes something that we can stand behind and and note in the midst of the most crucial times of our lives, which some of us are sitting in right here, right now. So, Father, let us remember the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.